Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Pastor Muredi Wanjao and I'm the senior pastor of Mavuno Church. I'm excited. I'm very what? excited to see you. That was good, but not what we were looking for. Can I go just one more time? Nope. Next. Oh man, life can be harsh, can't it? Like we hear no everywhere. You hear no from your boss. You hear no from your girlfriend. You hear no from your husband. You hear no from your friends. We're so used to hearing no. But what happens when it's God that is saying the no? My name is Pastor Maredi Wanjao. I'm so excited to be here this morning. And I want to bring you God's word. We're going through a series right now called Behind the Scenes When God go silent. And we're talking about this universal frustration that many of us have experienced at one time or the other. And you know, whether you're a Christ follower or maybe you're not, no matter how much faith you have, whatever your beliefs are, we've all gone through those times when our prayers are unanswered. We've gone through those times when we felt that God just needed to show up, but he wasn't there. There was nobody to call out in the movie of our life and say, cut, and say, let's do that again. Let's try another chance because everything is messed up. God didn't show up, and you're left wondering, is there someone sitting on that director's seat? Or have I been left alone on set as the director went off on a bathroom break? I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there many times. And you know what makes it so challenging sometimes is that there are some of those seasons when you're literally begging God, give me another chance. Intervene on my behalf. It could be for your family, Lord, help. It could be for your health. It could be for your marriage. You're not even asking for extravagant things. You're just asking for the bare necessities of life. You're saying, God, I'm not asking for a brand new car. I just need a job to feed my family. I'm not, I'm not even looking for tall, dark, and handsome. I just need a godly man. That's all I'm asking for, Lord. It seems like if God was there, if God cared, surely he would answer my prayer. And sometimes it's not just for a day or for a week. It seems like a whole season, maybe our entire life, when God just kept saying no, no, no. And he seemed to be saying next and blessing somebody else instead of you. What do you do when God says no? You know, we've all been in those seasons and sometimes we stay in them for long and we begin to doubt. We begin to doubt the character and the existence of God. Does God really love me? Does God really exist? Was it something I did? Is God really good? Does he care about me? Does he exist in the first place? I'm sure you've even asked that. Does he exist in the first place? Because surely if he existed, he would use his power and intervene. He would do something for me. You know, last week we began with the story of a man who loved God, who lived a life of purpose, but at his deepest point of need, God was silent about his situation. But we saw God works behind the scenes and we learned this lesson that even when we don't see his hand, we can still trust his heart. But today we want to talk about a different situation. When you get a different response from God and that response is a flat no. What do you do at such a time? The story I want us to read is 2 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 7 to 10. And as you turn there, I want to just point a little to the context of our story. We're going to just go back again in the past to see what happened a little while before. You see, Paul was a, a driven high achiever and he was offended by Christianity. His life mission was to stamp it out. He thought it was a dangerous belief. 
And so driven by those convictions, he went from house to house. You know, there's some people who don't like Christianity, but they're content to not like it and speak on social media. Paul was not one of those guys. He made it his life mission to exterminate it. And he went on his mission, going house to house, killing Christians. And one day he was on his mission to a town called Damascus to arrest all the followers of Jesus there, when to his shock, Jesus appeared in the middle of the road in a bright light. And, and, and from that time on, Jesus gave him a new mission. His mission was to preach about Jesus to all the people of the world. I mean, God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? And you know, many of us, some of you who are here, maybe you used to be completely antagonistic to, about Christianity. Maybe you are one of those people who thought church is boring, irrelevant, it's not for people like me, but today God is using people like you to speak to your workmates and your family. What an amazing God we serve. And this was Paul. And he spent the next 20 years of his adult life getting on ships, traveling to hostile environments, spreading the good news about Jesus. Paul faced a lot of opposition from skeptics, from people who didn't believe. He was shipwrecked. He almost drowned. He was beaten with stones. I mean, these are, these are not guys who just didn't believe. They, they actually attacked him for his beliefs. He was bitten by snakes. He was chased out of many towns. But despite this, Paul just kept going on and on and serving this Jesus. But even as he served God faithfully, Paul had a major problem. I don't think he talks about it very often, but there was an issue, a deep down issue that he knew about. And it was a recurrent and agonizing problem. It was so unbearable that Paul called it my, the thorn in my flesh. I don't know about you, if you've ever stepped on a thorn, you know how hard that is and how painful it can be. And, 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 and you can't walk normally. And every step brings you pain. You just have to stop and dig it out. But what if it's stuck there and it can't come out? And this is what was going on for Paul. This thorn in his flesh was a subject. Um, it was something deep down inside. It was something so painful. And, and nobody really knows what this thorn in the flesh was. Many people speculate about what it could have been. Some scholars think he had epilepsy or depression. Some people think, you know, and, and you know, back then people thought that seizures or mental illnesses were a form of demonic depression. And I, it must have, it would have been so embarrassing for Paul to have that in his time. Some people thought it was a physical illness. Uh, maybe a chronic bouts of malaria, which was common in that time. Can you believe it? And some think it had something to do with his weak eyesight. That he, he, he was a scholar, he wanted to read, but uh, in different places he talks about his weak eyesight. When he wrote, he had to write in big letters like a child because his eyesight was not good. Whatever it is, we don't know what, exactly what it is, but we know it was a painful problem. It was an inconvenience. It was a hindrance. It was something that kept him being what he wanted to be. And, and this thorn was holding him back from the very work that God had called him to. Maybe it stopped him from preaching more effectively. Maybe it was even embarrassing because he was praying for other people and maybe they asked him, okay, Pastor Paul, I know you say that God can heal, but how come he hasn't healed you? You know, people can be a bit insensitive sometimes. And it's like Paul is like, he has no answer for that. And Paul, it was such a big deal that he did exactly what you and I would do. He came to God and asked him to remove it. In fact, he, as I'm sure the first time he prayed about this, he had no doubt. I mean, this is a Paul who prayed for people and they were healed. Demons were cast out when he prayed. And so I'm sure he thought, absolutely no doubt, this is going to happen for me. This is a man who loved God, had healed hundreds, if not thousands. And so imagine his shock. When God's answer is a flat, no. I mean, I mean, say what, God? Was that you? I think I must be hearing voices. 
It can't be, it can't be God who's saying this. I mean, this is a simple, reasonable request. I mean, if you heal me, I'll be serving you. <laughs> I'm going to be doing work for you, God. I mean, you don't understand how hard it is to do what you have asked me to do with this thing hanging over my life. It's embarrassing. It makes me look weak. And by the way, it's making you look bad, God. Have you ever prayed like that to God? It's like, I'm your servant. How am I supposed to look like this? And I'm serving you. And, 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 and God's answer to Paul was still no. And God is saying to Paul, I may have, I've called you and through you my message is going to be heard by many and your sayings will be quoted for thousands of years to come. Over half the New Testament is going to be written by you. In fact, you're going to be one of the most famous people who ever lived. So famous that people are going to call their, their children after you. How many of you have a relative called Paul? It's like his name is yeah, all over the world. There are people called Paul. Uh, uh, but, but, but no, Paul, I'm still not removing that thorn from your flesh. <sighs> what in the world could be going on? Let's read, let's read what Paul actually said to God and, 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 and how he reports what happened. And we're going to read from, uh, uh, from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 10. And what, here's what he says. Here's what Paul says. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. So, so Paul is saying, there's this thorn. It's so awful. It feels like an attack from Satan. It feels like spiritual warfare. It can't be from God. It's so painful. And maybe it even was an attack from Satan. And so he goes to God and he's saying, all I'm asking you to do is what I've seen you do for other people. In fact, even through me, I'm asking you, God, to heal me. And then he says in verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now, this is not talking about like at 4 o'clock he pleaded with God and then at 5 o'clock he pleaded again. And then, at, no, 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 no. This is not what it, I believe he's saying for three seasons of prayer. I mean, at the beginning of this year as a church, we did a 21-day season of prayer and fasting. I think it was something equivalent to that. And for three seasons, Paul just prays nothing else. He's just praying, God, remove this thing from me. This thing is really bad. I need it. I don't know whether he was fasting, but he says, I pleaded with God. I mean, Paul, you never read of him pleading for anything. He just commands and it happens. But he's saying three times, I pleaded with God. And, and, and how do we plead with God? I don't know how you plead with God, I, but, but I know how people plead with God. It's like, God, just bless me with this thing. I will give more. I will serve in church until the day I die. I, uh, God, give me this husband. I will never pick another drink. Have you, ever, have you ever had people saying that? I will give my whole fast salary to the church. I'm not even going to ask questions. Just give me that job. I will never cheat on my taxes. I will never jump traffic lights again. Amen, somebody in the house. It's like, like we make all these vows. We are pleading with God. God, just come through for me. And Paul, Paul was saying, I don't need an undercover God in this issue. I need a God who is not behind the scenes. I need a God who is front and center, making a grand appearance, showing off his greatness in my life. But God's answer was still no. You know, there's a nice song that we used to like to sing in church. I don't know if you guys still like it. It says, when Jesus say yes, nobody can say no. When Jesus say yes, nobody can say no. But have you ever thought of the reverse? When Jesus say no, nobody can say yes. I bet you'll never hear that song being sung in a church. But it's a truth, isn't it? That when Jesus says no, then it's like the door is closed. Have you ever had those situations where heaven just shuts its door in your face? And it's like God has said no. And because God has said no, nobody can help me. When God refuses something reasonable, 
and yet you know he has the power to do it, what's your conclusion? The conclusion is God can't be loving. Because surely how can a loving God say no to his own child? Why would he flatly refuse to honor a reasonable request from his child? And here's what Paul went on to hear. In verse 9, the scripture continues. But he said to me, this is what God said. He said, no, I'm not giving you this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And God is saying to Paul, I'm not going to give you what you're asking for. Because right now, all you need is my grace. You're going to have to learn to deal with this issue. Because right now, all I'm going to give you for the situation is more grace. I'm not going to remove the situation, but I'll give you grace for the situation. You know, if you've ever been in a situation like that, you're probably asking, what, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, like, I didn't ask for grace. I asked for help. I asked you to, to deliver me from the situation. How does that become a substitute? Like, give me something I didn't even ask for. But here's what grace means. Grace means the divine resources necessary to bear the weight of any situation that you find yourself in. That many times God doesn't remove the situation, but he gives you the grace to stand in the situation. It's the ability to get up, and get through another day. It's the ability to keep going to work, to keep enduring one more time. It's the ability to come home to the unknown one more afternoon. Grace is the ability and the energy and the faith to keep on going and going despite the fact that nothing around you has changed. That's what grace is. And many of us, like Paul, we've begged God at one time or the other, God, I don't understand how the fighting in my family, it, it's killing me softly. I don't understand how this recurring sickness, I don't know if you understand how this recurring sickness is affecting my, 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 my happiness. I don't, I don't know if you understand how these marriage problems are messing our children. I don't know if you understand how this lack of education is holding me back from everything I want to do with my life. I don't know if you understand how the inability to have children is taking a toll on my marriage. Lord, I, I'm not asking for something unreasonable. If you really loved me, you would do something about this. And I know many of you have prayed that prayer. I've prayed that prayer. You see, none of us like to take no for an answer. Nobody, none of us. I don't know anybody who's told no and they're like, ah, yay, thank you for telling me no. It's like we, when we ask for it, we want it. And it makes it worse when the no is from God. But here's the thing about God, and here's what I like about God, is that whenever he says no, there's a promise attached to it. There's something more. He doesn't just say no. But he adds something on top of his no. And God's no comes with a promise. Verse 9 continues. I'm not going to give you this, but he says, For my power is made perfect in your weakness. That's what Paul is being promised by God. You see, God's power is best experienced by us and seen by others in our weakness. My weakness is an opportunity to experience God's strength. That's what Jesus told Paul. Now, I mean, I know this sounds sweet and nice for religious people to say, but it's not easy. And I want to say it's not natural. Here's what natural. We want to be that girl on TV who holds that super large five million Kenya shillings check because she punched in the right numbers on her phone at the right time and she won. I mean, don't you want to be that person? You want to be that person who was shopping at the supermarket and you're the one who came in at the right time and you're like, look at my God. Like I didn't have groceries and now I have groceries because the supermarket is paying for them because I was the person who came. We want to be that student who is carried up. You know, in this country, whenever, it, whenever it results are announced, there's always a picture of a student being carried up in the village and they're wearing this little thing, uh, uh, shiny things around their neck and everybody's singing their song because they're the top student 
present and they're raising their hand and they're saying whenever they're interviewed they say I thank God I mean surely even you can thank God can't you yeah if God blessed you you'd be ready to thank God everybody's there cheering as you win we want to be those people who God is getting glory from us and we're thanking God on the platform but here's the thing <laughs> we want it to be on the platform of our strengths and not our weaknesses we want God to get grace and glory from our lives from our strengths and not our weaknesses and that's that's why we wait for when we'll give our victory testimonies. Have you ever noticed in prayer meetings, many people don't share until something has changed, until something has happened, and all the testimonies sound to be like, God has blessed me with a fantastic job. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> God, God has healed me miraculously. We prayed, and yes, amen. And, and how we got triplets when the doctor said that we'd never have children. These are the stories we want to hear when we come for prayer. We presume that God only gets glory on the platform of our victory. And, and, and many times what happens is, well, the struggle is going on and the pain is going on and the unanswered prayer is going on. We believe that that stuff is for backstage. That stuff is for behind the scenes. That's not the stuff that brings God glory. But you know, one thing I've realized in my life is that the stories that have really moved me, the testimonies that have caused me to really know God better, are those testimonies where people have chosen to show God in their lives despite they're not getting the prayers that they were looking for. I don't know, it's something very interesting because God can showcase his power, not just in my talents, not in my opportunities, just in my success, but also in my weakness and in my failures. That when those things haven't worked well, and, and you go to that person, have you ever gone to that person in hospital and, and, or a bereaved person, things didn't work, maybe you're wondering how will I even encourage them? This is so tragic. And you go to see that person and you're telling them, I'm so sorry. And then they tell you, no, 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 let me encourage you. And you leave, have you ever had that experience? You leave that home feeling, my God, I came to encourage them, they encouraged me. I came thinking I had a word for them and I came out with a new sense of who God is and his power. I came thinking that I'm coming just to feel sorry for them and I left feeling encouraged. I've, I've had those situations. I've gone for funeral meetings thinking, my God, I don't know what to say to this widow. And then this widow stood up and gave a powerful testimony. She said, listen, I'm mourning right now. I'm in pain, but God is still on the throne and God is still alive and I trust my life is in him. And I've left thinking, oh my goodness, what an amazing faith. And let me tell you, many times God is exalted, not just on the platform of victory, but on the platform of weakness as well. And, 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 and you know, many times, to be honest, those are the most impressive Christians you'll ever meet in your life. Because you see, God's power is shown best in the platform of our weakness. My weakness is my opportunity to experience God's strength. You know, it's when the room is darkness is, is darkest, that you see the light of the candle most clearly. Have you ever noticed that? That when you're in a very dark, dark space and all you need to do is just put a little light and it's so bright. When the night is, is completely dark, when you're up country and there are no other lights, that's when you see the stars most clearly. It's when we reach the end of ourselves, when you're in the darkest space possible, that the brightness of God shines most clearly. It's when my human talents and my wisdom and my strategies have failed, when I have no reason for hope and joy, but somehow I'm still encouraged and trusting. When it doesn't make any sense, unless God himself was in it, that's when God receives the glory. And you know, when God says no, it never has anything to do with him not loving us enough. It never does. Many times God has a much deeper reason. Maybe he just wants me to experience his supernatural strength in ways I never will if everything was holding together. 
And that's why he says to Paul in verse 10, and that's why Paul himself testifies in verse 10. He says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Come on, just, just, just look at that scripture. He doesn't say, I rejoice just in the thorn. The thorn has taught him to rejoice in other bad things as well. So Paul, he's, he's the big thing he was praying about was a thorn. But when God didn't remove it from him, Paul was able to say, oh my goodness, when people insult me, I rejoice. Because I know God's power is about to be shown. When I face persecution, I rejoice. When I face difficulty, what has happened? His thorn has given him the capacity to endure difficulty. And Paul has a huge impact because he's not one person who'll ever give up. You know, as Christians, we've been taught that if we have enough faith, then life should always look a certain way. You know, we're, we're, we're going to end up looking good. We'll drive a nice car. We'll have a nice job. Because God is going to look good because of us. And some of us, we've even learned to package our problems to make us look good. We smile because we dare not show people in our discipleship group how our marriage is doing. Have you ever had that? I, I could, I'm a pastor. And you know, sometimes you stand outside church greeting people's hands. And you're like, hey, good morning. Praise and How are you doing? And people are like, praise the Lord, pastor. It's so good to see you. And you know, they're hiding their weakness many times because nobody wants to show weakness. And especially in church, we don't want to, we want to show our Sunday best. We want to show that everything is going well. We hide our imperfections and weaknesses. We fear, we fear our failures and showing off the ugly parts, the skeletons in our closets. It's sort of like a Hollywood version of Christianity. But God is saying, that thing you're hiding, that thing you're ashamed of, that's the thing that I want to use to bring me glory. That thing in your life, that, that situation in your family you never talk about, that thing that happened to you when you're young, that's the thing, that's the platform I'm going to use to bring glory to myself and to allow you to achieve your purpose. That thing that you've always felt lower than others because of, that's the platform I've given you that's going to elevate you to a place where your purpose is going to impact this world. That very thing that you thought was a weakness. You see, the solution for God is not always to take it away. But sometimes God is able to take the mess of our life and turn it into the most beautiful thing that demonstrates the supernatural power of the Most High. Because my weakness is an opportunity to experience God's strength. And you know, Paul finally got this because he began to rejoice when things didn't work out. You know, that's a crazy thing, isn't it? Like when things don't work out, he actually rejoiced. When things worked out, he rejoiced. But when they didn't, he rejoiced as well because he understood that God could turn his weakness into something beautiful to demonstrate his supernatural power. Paul embraced his weakness as an opportunity to experience God's strength. You know, we, I, I, he, his, his big thing was, I don't have to pretend to have my act together. I can be real about my issues. You know, at Mavuno, we say we're a church of real people with real issues before a real God. You will never see us as pastors at Mavuno trying to pretend we have our act together. I know I don't have my act together. I have so many issues. In fact, many times I'm shocked that God would use a person like me to do what he's called me to do. And I always say, if God can use me, he can use anyone. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, I don't have to pretend to be perfect. In my weakness, God is made strong. That thing that you think you're, you're ashamed of, you never talk about, that same thing. That drug addiction you had in the past, that season when you were abused, that season when you failed your exams, that very platform is the one that God is going to use to impact this whole world for his glory. 
You see, there are many instances where God will leverage your success, your talents, and your wins. There are many instances when he does that, and I thank God for him. But also there are many times when he'll say, no, I'm not going to leverage your success. I'm going to leverage your weakness. I'm going to leverage your inability. I'm going to leverage your failure and your lack of opportunity. And I'm going to get glory from your life. Ah, yes, I know you're born in a poor family. You wish it wasn't true. I know that you grew up in places where you wish it wasn't true. But listen, that very situation you've been ashamed of is a situation that God is going to leverage to bring glory to himself and to impact the world through you. And, and, and this is what happens to Paul. I mean, why would God say to, no to Paul? Paul eventually began to understand. Because by the time he was writing this story, he had understood the purpose for the thorn. Remember, when he was talking about three times, I begged God, he had no clue why that thorn was there. And that's why he had begun in verse 7 by saying, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. You see, I, I, I suspect Paul had no reason why the thorn was there. And that's why he was pleading for it to be taken away. But eventually he began to understand Things began to be clear that God had a huge platform prepared for Paul. He was planning to use Paul more powerfully than anyone else had ever been used. And he was planning to give him such a huge platform to raise him up to the place where he saw visions from heaven. Paul talks about the visions he saw that nobody else had seen. He was, using, he was going to use Paul to write half the New Testament. Paul was going to have more impact on the Christian faith than anyone except Jesus Christ. And God was giving him this thorn as a gift to keep him humble. Paul began to realize, you know what? God has such a had such a huge plan for me. If I didn't have this thorn, I'd have been destroyed by now by pride. And he's like, I rejoice in this thing. This thing that I thought was a punishment was actually my platform. This is the thing that allowed me and prepared me for the greatness that God had ahead in my life. And here's the thing I want you to note, that you will never experience God's perfect power until you learn to accept his no. Can I say that again? You will never experience God's perfect power until you learn to accept his no. And you begin to celebrate his strength in your weakness. That there are some things God will say no to you. And your response must be that God's perfect power is mine. It is experienced when I face that gap between what I desire and what God chooses for me. And when I say, God, not my will, but yours be done. Because my weakness is my opportunity to experience God's strength. I want to end with a little story that I had that I thought was a really beautiful story. It's about a water bearer. And this guy was in India. He had two large pots. He basically had a yoke on his neck and it hung two, on it hung two pots. And he carried these pots every day to take water to his master's house. And, and, and one of the pots had a crack in it. And so while he was going to the river and coming back every day, the cracked pot would spill more than half its water. And the other one would reach full because it was a perfect pot. And, and, and the cracked pot, uh, this happened day in, day out for two years until the cracked pot could have, no, could, have, could have it no more. And the cracked pot asked him one day, seriously, why can't you fix me? Why are you le letting me walk in weakness? And, and, and the poor cracked pot was ashamed of its imperfection, miserable that it was not living out its potential. Why haven't you bothered to fix me? The pot asked. And the man looked at the pot and, 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 and he felt sorry for it, uh, the, 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 the pot bearer. And he said, for the past two years, maybe you've noticed 
that I planted some flowers on the path on the way home. And you may have noticed that every time I'm going to my master's house, I pick some beautiful flowers on the path. What you may not have understood is that those flowers are on your side and not the other side. Because your water is what has watered the beautiful flowers that every morning we put in the master's house. Because of your flaws, the master has a beautiful bouquet, a beautiful bouquet of flowers every morning. And I want to say to somebody today that what you might think is your flaw, what you might think is your fault, what you might think is a thing you're ashamed of, that could be the thing that God has crafted into you that will give Him glory that Jesus will present a beautiful bouquet to the Father because of you. That's what happened in Paul's life, that his fault, the thorn, is the thing that allowed him to change the world in his generation, the beautiful flowers that Jesus pre presented to God because of this man called Paul. And who knows what your situation will allow you to achieve? Who knows what great things will happen because of the thing that you consider a thorn right now? Listen, God is saying, maybe, I, may, may, maybe it's good that you're, you're asking me to take it away. And maybe God will take it away one day. But right now, my encouragement is if you will learn to surrender that thorn to Him, God can use even your flaws to grace His Father's table. Uh, Jesus can use even your flaws to grace His Father's table. And so I'd like to end with a prayer. And this message, by the way, it gives you permission to ask God to remove your thorn. I really think Paul says, yeah, ask. <laughs> Paul asked, he went into a season, maybe you need to go into a season where you ask God, remove this thorn. And at the end of this month, I want us to actually close with some time of prayer when we're going to be bringing uh, some, some, our issues to God in a worship and healing time. But today, I'd like to encourage someone who needs to pray a prayer of surrender. And maybe you're here and you're saying, I want to pray a prayer of surrender. If this is you, I want you to just join me right now as I pray for you. Dear Jesus, thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you that there are many here who may have been crying out to you and saying, Lord, remove this thorn in my marriage. Remove this thorn in my academics. Remove this thorn in my provision, in my business. Uh, there's some here who have a skeleton in their closet. There's something they've been hiding, something they've been desperately holding on to and saying, God, I want you to remove this thing. It's defining me. It's a crack in my life. Lord, take this situation. I want to just pray right now that even as they come to you, that you'll allow them to come with open hands and surrender that situation to you. And they'll be able to say, Lord, take this brokenness in me and use it for your glory. And even as, you do, as I pray for you right now, just open up your hands right now and just say, God, take it away. Take it and use it for your glory. Lord, whether you take it away from me or not, whether you change it or not, I believe that you can use my weakness to, as a platform for your glory. Should you choose to take it away, Lord, I will rejoice. But should you choose to leave it there, I will still rejoice. Because in my weakness, you are strong. And so, Lord, I just want to bless you as your sons and daughters surrender to you right now, I pray that, Father God, out of stress will come rest. Out of the place where there's been anguish would come relief. Out of the place where there's been bitterness and maybe sadness would come joy and surrender, knowing that, hey, in my weakness, God is strong. And so I bless you, God's people. And I bless you right now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's people say together, Amen. Amen.